0: This weekend, I want to share again with you from my heart as we're involved in this series of messages that we've been looking at. I believe that God has been speaking very clearly to me out of the book of 2 Kings, and I believe He wants to speak to us today about some powerful things in our lives as we're going through a difficult time as a nation, as we're facing the issues of social injustice and racism. All these things have affected us for so many years. Let's go to God and ask Him to speak to us in our own personal lives today. 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to be in just the next few moments, I want to sort of set it up for you, so you understand a bit of the passage before we get into it. Uh, Second Kings really describes for us primarily the book, the ministry, at least of the a portion of the ministry of the of the life of a man named Elisha. Elisha was a prophet of God who followed Elijah the prophet, and he was a man who did many many miracles. And so, when you study the life of Elisha, you're seeing a life that performed miracles. How God helped people through the life and ministry of Elisha, and how God continues to help us. And today I want us to look at 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 and see the miraculous supply that God brings to people who have lack in their life. Let me read for you 2 Kings chapter 4 beginning in verse number 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, "How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house?" Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me one more, another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here you have the story of a miraculous supply, a miraculous provision to a lady that was facing a very deep need in her life. And from this story, I want to share with us five things I believe that are very appropriate for all of our lives, especially in the season that we're in, in our nation, in our country, and our own individual lives in this moment. The first thing I want us to realize from the story is that life oftentimes will place heavy demands on us that, that really tax our limited resources. Life is very demanding. Life is very hard. And there are times of life that are very challenging and very difficult that call for resources from us that we sometimes just don't often feel like that we have. It might be a resource of finances, we've got a bill that we can't pay, or it might be a relationship situation where we feel like we've sort of run out of love, run out of patience, run out of kindness. The largeness of life demands taxes, resources on the things that we possess. And no matter who we are and where we are, we face those moments in life. Maybe you're facing something in your life right now. Maybe it feels like you've run out of something. Maybe you've run out, you're down at the bottom of the tank of your love in a relationship, or maybe you've run out of an ability to forgive, or maybe you've lost the capacity to be kind, or maybe you've lost the the, the, the ability to be patient with someone, or maybe you've lost some element of your life. You're at the bottom of the barrel. It might be a financial need that you have. You're just at the end of yourself. That's exactly what happens in the story. Notice again, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Here's a lady that now is facing a very emotionally draining situation. She's grieving over the loss of her husband, so her emotions are involved. She's feeling the parental issue. She now is a single parent. She has two sons. She has to raise now on her own. She's obviously facing a financial concern. That's the thing that she presents uh, most obviously to Elisha. But there's this issue on the inside of how am I going to meet the pressures that are upon me financially? Psychologically, she's struggling. She's facing a very threatening, uncertain future and relationally. There's no one else in her life to help her in this journey. So there's so many areas of her life where she's at a deep point of need. There were many demands upon this lady's limited resources. And when it comes to those places of life when you and i get to that point that it seems like sort of the the well has run dark dry that we've lost the resources that we need to carry us through whatever we're facing in life maybe the wisdom is running dry or the love is running dry or the patience is running dry or something inside of us is kind of getting to the end of the bottom of the barrel it's important to remember that every miracle in the bible always starts with a limitation There's not a single miracle that happens in the Bible or in our life today that that does not start with some kind of limitation. We have to come to a point of need to experience a miracle. And so when you're in a place of need in your life, it actually is a good place because it's a preparation place for a miracle. When people were sick, they were healed because they had a need for physical healing. When people were hungry, Jesus fed them like the 5,000 because they had a need for food. And so the need always uh, precipitates the miracle in our lives. And so here's a very valuable thing to remember, that your lack right now, whatever it is, is always designed to lead you to God. And that's my second point, our needs direct us to God. Anytime you have a need in your life, it's very important what you do with that need. So often when we come to that place of a lack in life, we can very easily fall into the category of fear and fear begins to take over us. And our minds begin to create all these painful imaginations of what the future looks like and fear and anxiety and worry take over. And then from that, we begin to fret about in our world and we create disturbance around us in our own hearts, our lives, our relationships. And then we can ultimately get to the place of just futility. I give up. Neither of those things are the way that we want to respond. We don't want to respond to our need with fear and fret and futility, but we need to respond as this lady did. I love this part of the story. In verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. When she cried out to Elisha, she was crying out to God. She was reaching out to God. She was realizing that in my time of need, I've got all this stuff going on emotionally and physically and financially and parentally and psychologically and relationally. I've got all these places that I seem to have run out of resources. Elisha, help me. God, help me. And so our limited resources should direct us to God, cause us to reach out to God. I want to remind you of something as I'm reminding myself of this weekend. It's important to remember that God has everything that you need. If you need more wisdom, God has more wisdom. If you need more grace, God has more grace. If you need more patience, God has all the patience that you need. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you need more love, God has more love. If you need more financial provision and and material provision in, in your life, God has everything that you need. There's not a single thing that's related to human need that you can experience a lack in in your life that God does not have an abundance of. In fact, heaven is filled with every resource that we need. There was a time when one of Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Jesus, we see that you know how to pray effectively. Would you teach us to pray? And and you remember the story in in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9, where Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, Father, that's a relational word, our Father Which art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. That's verse ten. May your kingdom come, and your will be done, where on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we're at a place of need, we we are we are required to, or called to, or directed to go to God and say, God, there's some lack here on earth, and we're asking that you'll take the resource of heaven and bring the resource of heaven. Down here to our earth, and Jesus taught us to pray this way. And so, if Jesus taught us to pray this way, we can expect Him to answer. If our world ever needed more heaven on earth, it needs more heaven on earth now. All the love of heaven needs to come to earth. All the justice of heaven needs to come to earth. All the kindness of heaven needs to come to earth. All the patience of heaven needs to come to earth. The grace of heaven needs to come to earth. It needs to start in our earth today. And so, we have need in life. We come to the places where we've come to the end of ourselves, but our need directs us to God. And then the third thing I want to remind you of today is that miracles start with sowing a seed for the meeting of that need. Let me give that to you again and then I'll explain it to you. Miracles begin with you and I sowing a seed to meet the need. I think so often when you and I pray that prayer lord give us from heaven what we what we need in life we fail to remember that god also wants us to be a part of the miracle god invites us to cooperate with him and this is exactly what happened in this story she had a, this lady this widow had a very severe significant problem it was real and all she could focus on was the realness of her problem and as she cries out to elisha in essence crying out to god Elisha responds to her in a very unusual way. I want you to listen to verse 2 and see the response of Elisha to the cry of this widow. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Notice the response of the lady. Your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. Please don't run past that little phrase, except a small jar of olive oil. There was something that this lady had in her house that she had missed. She had failed to recognize. She didn't think it was of any value, but it was very valuable to her miracle, very valuable to God to use in her life. There was a seed in her house. What do you have in your house. He started, Elisha started by having her to take an inventory of the seed that was available to her that God could use. Remember this, that in your life today, that whatever you have a lack of, there's a seed in your life right now that you can begin to sow in such a way that can bring a result, a resulting miracle from the planting of that seed. I'll talk about how you plant it in a moment, but first of all, you have to see the seed before you can plant it. It might be just a little bit of love that you still have left. It might be just a little bit of kindness that you can muster up. It might be just a little resource that you can give to God. It might be just a little bit of something. It seems like not very much, but there's a little bit of something still there. Down at the bottom of the barrel, there's a little bit of something in you that God says, I can take that and I can use that. If you'll allow me to, if you'll present it to me, I can do something with that little seed in your life. It doesn't seem like much. In this lady's case, it was a small jar, little bit of oil, that's all she had, but it was a seed that God was going to use to bring about the miracle in her life. Over the years, my wife and I have planted gardens from time to time, and sometimes we planted them from seedlings and sometimes just from the seed themselves. When you look at a seed, interesting to note, when you look at a little seed, it's very small. It doesn't look very impressive. In fact, it looked very unimpressive. In fact, some seeds are downright ugly. There's not much to them at all, and so they, you look at them, say so they're very insufficient to me. I want to, I want a garden. How can a garden come from this? But we remember that in every little seed, every little seed, there's a DNA, there's potential, there's power in that seed that can produce something amazing. You can plant a little tomato seed, and you get a massive tomato bush with all kind of tomatoes that will feed you through the season. You can plant a little oak seed and you get this massive tree that becomes a shade tree for many, many decades to come. Little seeds have power. They're small, they're, they're seemingly insignificant, they're unimpressive, but God can take the little seed in your life and do something incredible with it. The, the Lord asked of this lady, what do you have in your house? And the Lord asked of us. What do you have at the bottom of the barrel? What can you scrape up from the inside of you that's a seed that I can use in your life to to make a difference? That seed that I can use to help you become a solution to the problem, a blessing to other people. Here's the fourth thing I'd like for us to remember today. Sowing the seed for our need requires two things. It requires faith and it requires obedience. Seeds don't work until they're planted. You can keep seed in your hand all day long or in a little container somewhere uh, hidden away. It's never going to produce anything. Seeds will only produce after their kind. Once they are planted to grow a tree, somebody has to, in faith, plant that seed in the soil. You have to do something with it. And so Elisha helps this lady realize you've got the seed. Now I'm going to tell you what to do with the seed. It's going to require some faith and obedience. He said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil, that little bit of oil. Start pouring it into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Can you imagine how this lady felt when she was told to do this? I'm sure she could not fathom what a lie she was talking about. She could not understand how this little bit of oil could make that big of a difference for her life and for her future. But she does it anyway. She had to believe that God could could use that little bit that she had to meet the large need that she faced. She had to do what she was told with what she had. The same is true for you and me. We have to be willing to take that little seed and begin to keep As the Bible says in verse 5 that she did, she took that little jar of oil and all the neighbor's containers and she just kept pouring. She kept pouring out. She kept planting the seed. She passed the faith and the obedience test. How do you and I pass the faith and obedience test with the seed that God gives us? that little bit of something that's inside of you that's a good seed that God has placed in you? How do you and I, in faith and obedience, plant that seed? Well, first of all, you have to believe that in that seed, a miracle is possible. In that little bit of what you have in you, there's a miracle that is possible. Hebrews 11:6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe. There's that faith again that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe that that little seed of something good in your life can be planted and make a big difference. And then second of all, do what God asks you to do. You can't focus on what God is asking other people to do. You've got to focus on what God asks you to do. There's a part for you to play in the process of bringing about a miracle. There's a seed that you can plant, and it's unique to you, but you need to do what God asks you to do. James 2, verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, is not, if, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You have to add some action. Do what God asks you to do. And then thirdly, just keep on asking God. Don't stop praying. And when you plant your seed, don't just plant your seed, but pray for blessing on that seed. Let, let that little seed, as you, as you begin to give it and plant it, say, God, bless this little bit that I have to offer. Just like Jesus did with the five loaves and two fish before he multiplied it. He held it before the Father, and the Bible says he blessed it, and then it was multiplied. Keep on asking. Matthew seven verse seven, verses seven and eight says, "Ask, keep on asking. It will be given to you, seek, keep on seeking and you will find, knock, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you For everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. All of those words, ask, seek, knock, in the Greek language, they have a continuation concept to them. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. I think you will love with me, and probably is one of your favorite verses. It certainly is mine, two verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then make sure you increase your expectation. Have big faith. Believe that God can do big things with your little seed. Oh, that's important to realize God can do something big. This little thing that I have in my life, that little bit of love that I share, that little bit of kindness that I communicate, that little bit of gift that I give, that little bit of serving that I do. God can do big things, big things beyond what I can imagine with the little bit that I present to him, that I sow in my life. The Bible says that as she began to pour out all, all the jars from her neighbors were filled and she poured until every jar was full. Ephesians three twenty and 21, I love this passage as well. Now to him, that's God, who is able, notice that he's able, to immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. God is able to do so far much more than we can ever ask or imagine. According to his power, that is at work within us? To him be glory in the church, notice, in God's people, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And then number five, make sure that you make the process personal. You know, it's not about broadcasting everything that you do. Some things we do in the quietness of life and maybe nobody else even sees it except the person that we're blessing or the person we're, we're, we're responding to. But we plant that seed of kindness. We plant that seed of love. We plant that seed of wisdom. We plant that seed of grace. We plant that seed of giving. We plant that seed of serving. And we do it in our own way according to God's call and God's command to our lives. And we do it in a way that's not a fanfare. We're just doing it as a part of our living our lives the way God has called us to live. Just as this lady did, she went in, the Bible says, and she shut the door behind her. And her, her her, and her sons poured out the oil in a very private way. It was not a public thing. It was a private thing, a very personal thing in her life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret. Will reward you. Some of the most powerful things that you and I will ever do in our lives are not the great things that everybody sees us do, but it's what we do in secret. What do we do in those situations where nobody else may see, but yet we do the right thing to be a blessing? And then I'll give you this last point and this idea of faith and obedience. You got to keep giving. Never stop giving. Never stop planting seed in your life. The good seed that's there. Keep on daily planting the seed that God wants you to plant, because the more seed you plant, the more harvest you're going to receive. That's what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary, in notice this, in doing what? doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. What is a harvest associated with? A harvest is associated with planting seed. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Planting seed for your need always requires simple faith and simple obedience. You don't always have to understand how it's going to make a difference. Just continue to do the right thing. Continue to plant the right seed and finally make sure that you live one day at a time I think all too often we want this avalanche of blessing in our life we want massive amount of a blessing showing up at one time we want to win the heavenly lottery if you will and all the blessings come in at it once but this lady learned a valuable lesson that you and I need to learn as well she learned that she could only fill one jar at a time that one jar at a time is how she received her blessing they brought each jar to her and she kept pouring and her miracle happened one jar at a time. They were all filled, all those jars were filled one jar at a time and the way your life is going to be the most effective the way that my life is going to be the most effective is to live one day at a time to do everything that i can do and for you to do everything that you do each day to pour out blessing to plant the seed that god wants you to plant so the harvest of what his plan and will is for our world can happen and in your life and your family as well do it one day at a time. So you can't live. You can't relive yesterday. It's behind us. You can't go back and relive it. And you cannot live tomorrow. Tomorrow is ahead of you. You and I do not even uh, know if we'll make it into tomorrow. But we have a today. We have the present. And the present, as I've heard it said before, the present is a present. It's a gift from God. And so live one day at a time. Do everything each day of your life to be the blessing that God wants you to be. G- Jesus said in to pray in Matthew 6 11, give us today our daily bread give us today God what we need for our lives today but also enough to be a blessing to somebody else Matthew 6 33 and 34 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself focus on today's obedience what does God want me to do today focus on today's prayers what does God want me to pray today Yes, it's true that there are times in life that all of us come to the end of ourselves. We don't have anything else, it seems, to give. It seems that we've come to the end of the journey, and we feel as though the bottom of the barrel has been reached, and we don't have anything else to meet the needs of our life or our family or people around us. We feel very limited. But in those moments of limitation, as negative as they may seem, it actually can be a very positive thing because it can point us and drive us to God because God is the one that once we come to the end of ourselves, God is the one that can take over and begin to supply for us what we can't supply for ourselves. His kingdom can come down into earth from heaven if we will learn to rely and lean upon him and go to him. And then to recognize that there's some seed that's still in my life. I don't know what it is. I'm asking God to show me my seed so that I can take the seed that I have and with faith and obedience applied in the world around me and plant that seed in faith and obedience and to keep on planting and keep on giving, believing that if I'll continue to do good, I will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up and then to do it one day at a time. You can't live for tomorrow. You can only live for today.